by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to Keep me within your love 
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. I just felt like there are so many of us who come to church heavy burdened. And we walk in these doors and we put a smile on our face. And we think that that's what we're called to do, but we're not. This church is a hospital for the broken. And I'm broken. <laughs> I don't know. Is anybody out there broken? You know, you're here to be healed. You're not here to put on that face. We're not here to look pretty and dress the part. We're here to put our cross before the Lord and say, God, help me. I need you. We desperately need his help. We can't do this journey on our own. And it's so important that we recognize that in and of ourselves, we're nothing. But he's paid the price and he carried his own cross so that we wouldn't have to. And I wanna invite you this morning. We, we want to invite you guys on this journey with us on Sunday mornings. And so when we open the front and we're asking you to join us, it's not a show. It's because we want you to engage with us. We're a body. And if you're always out there and we're always up here, there's not that unity. And we're asking for that unity because there's power in numbers. And so we want to invite you, come and join us. Put your burdens before the Lord unashamedly he wants to heal you his desire is for something greater something bigger let him do it for you
Let's get crazy in this place this morning. Let's worship with all that we have in spirit and in truth, not holding anything back, not afraid of failure, not afraid of of rejection. Let's go for it this morning. Let's go for it. So right now we sing. Because freedom is here, fear has to leave, pain has to go, darkness must flee and fear. Flood the earth. Because freedom is here, fear has to leave, pain has to go, darkness must flee and fear. Flood the earth. Because freedom is here, fear has to leave, pain has to go, darkness must flee and fear. Flood the earth. Declare it. Because freedom is here, fear has to leave, pain has to go, darkness must flee and fear. Flood the earth. Because freedom is here, fear has to leave, pain has to go, darkness must flee and invite you guys to that concept of being ruined from the normal everyday lifestyle that we see and we're taking this class on Wednesday night and it's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit 
and the rumors of heaven flooding the earth. It's not about me or anybody else talking. It's about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you guys would just, just pray and just kind of press in, we're going to sing this thing again. But let's press in and really pray and encourage, just invite the Holy Spirit to come in. And, and it would be the rumors of the Holy Spirit that would flood the earth. And it would start from New Mexico, from Santa Fe, and it would begin to flood the entire earth and our country. But it would start right here with us. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in and to flood our earth. say is God is good. Amen. Amen. It is so great to come before his throne of grace and bless his name. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you for so much, Lord God. First of all, I'd like to welcome you today to the light. We're glad you're here. If you're a first-time visitor, praise God, we're really excited that you're here to, today, and we pray that God, God would really bless you while you're in this place. Uh, we want to shake hands with you and get to know you, and, and uh, we're just so thankful you're here. And uh, God, it's really moving. I thank God for Jason sharing that uh, this morning. Um, we, we are studying about the Holy Spirit on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 here at the Light in the Sanctuary. we sure like to invite you out if you haven't been able to make it yet. We've uh, been through two parts of a four-part series with Pastor Chris Hodges. 
He's an excellent, excellent speaker, and we just love listening to the word that he's sharing. We take notes. We, uh, we discuss. We have a time of discussion. We're sitting in groups around in here at tables, and we're able to, to share our hearts, what God's done for us, what the Holy Spirit is doing in our hearts, and it's a, it's a blessed time. So I'm glad Jason had mentioned that, and we just sure would like to have you come out if, if it uh, fits your schedule and everything. Also, um, we will be starting a class here on uh, grief. Grief is something that many of us have to go through. It's a difficult thing. It's a very, very hard, difficult thing. There's many people in our community that have uh, had a loved one go on to be with the Lord, and they miss them, and it's, they're not sure just where to turn. So we've, my wife and I, Jane, we're going to be starting a class here on Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 8.30. It's a 13-week course. It's called Grief Share. And um, you're welcome to come anytime. Like I said, it starts August the 7th, but you can enroll. You can come at any time. It's a 13-week class that we lay off for a few weeks. It ends on October 30th, and we'll start back up in February, so we take a little time off there in, um, for the holidays. And um, basically, we just want to open this up to the community, to our church. If you know someone or if you're going through a tough time right now, the Lord wants to heal us from that. I have a scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. I love this scripture. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And I'd like to say that uh, God is doing that in my heart right now. And I'm so thankful. God does not want to leave us where we're at. His word is sent to heal us, to comfort us, to raise us up. His Holy Spirit, our comforter, is there for us. And there's, there's no reason for the enemy to bog us down and get us stuck in grief. So we would like for you to share this with any family members or, or, uh, or if you're interested, please see me after the service. It's called Grief Share. It starts August 7th, and you're welcome to come anytime. We have a short little... Uh, video, about three minute video that will explain a little bit more about the class. So praise God. Thank you. I think that once you experience a loss to this degree, that it shakes and shatters your world, subsequent activities are put in their proper place. They're just not that serious. Lenora was my sister, and she died of breast cancer. It's like, what do you do? The earth is different. You know, a person who was here is not here. I think that my focus has shifted. I used to be more conscious about what other people thought um, and what their expectations were. I realized that Life is too short to be concerned about other people's expectations.
and I'm more focused on what it is that God has for me to do. Before my sister's death, I definitely took some things for granted. I took for granted the fact that life is temporary. And, you know, as we go about our days, mediocrity, you know, is, is very easy to settle into. And now, you know, I wake up understanding that there is a timeline and, um, and that God provides opportunities for us to go out and, and make an impact, make a difference. GriefShare is a support group open to men and women dealing with the death of a loved one. To learn more about GriefShare, speak to the GriefShare leader at your church. Praise God. There's a workbook that each student will receive. This is packed with scripture. My notes are all in it from the, the class. I've taken it twice, and uh, this is a real benefit. God has a lot to say about healing us from our grief. So if you know someone or if you're interested, please see me after the service. Right now, we'd like to take this opportunity to, to uh, come before the Lord with our offerings. So, gentlemen, if you would join me here in the front, we will do that now. Lucille gave a great testimony recently about how God blesses us. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves to, uh, to bless us as we bless others. And so let's just go before him now and offer up our prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. We would have nothing if it wasn't for you, Lord God. All this belongs to you, Lord God, for us to have joy in, Lord God. We take good pleasure, Lord God, in, in uh, giving our tithes and offerings, Lord God. We do not take it lightly, Lord God. We pray, Lord, that you would use it for your kingdom, Lord God, to build your kingdom and to, Lord God, bring heaven to earth, Lord God, like we sang. We thank you, Lord God, for blessing us in Jesus' name. Amen.
rest of that. That's good, good. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. If you're visiting, my name's Ron. I'm the pastor here. And um, we're, um, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, uh, a number of scriptures about the return or the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I know that as soon as we talk about that, I mean, our minds go in all kind of different directions. It's like, you know, I remember when, you know, when I was very young, a lot younger than I am now, uh, we all have reasons why we would like the Lord to delay his coming. Most of us do. Now, like, you know, when you're uh, in your teens, you know, you want to graduate from high school. You don't want the Lord to come until you graduate from high school. And then you want to get married. And then after you get married, then you want to have children. And so you don't want the Lord to come until after you have children. And then after you have children, then you want to see your children graduate from school. And uh, so you don't want the Lord to come until your children graduate from school. And then after your children graduate from school, then you want to have grandchildren. And so there's always a reason in our minds where, you know, we're thinking, you know, if the Lord could delay his coming. The Bible tells us that there is one reason that the Lord will delay his coming, because the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that's in Peter, and it talks about the Lord does delay his coming so that more would get, would get saved. So if in our hearts we're thinking that, you know, we want the Lord to delay his coming, the only reason we should want God to delay his coming is not for our selfishness, but so that others could get saved. Amen? That's why we would want the Lord to delay his coming. Here's some interesting um, statistics for you. Um, the in the Bible, there are over 1,500 prophecies about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for every prophecy in the Old Testament about his first coming, there are eight prophecies in the New Testament about his second coming. In fact, that one out of every five verses, one out of every five verses in the New Testament talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pick up, I've got a ton of scriptures. If you didn't get a copy of sermon notes, if you want to just raise your hand, somebody will bring you a copy. I don't know, if, are, we do, are we downloaded this morning on our, uh, on, okay, so you can just go to the, uh, to the internet as well if you want to follow us on your, uh, your iPad or your phone. Uh, tlmv.org uh, uh, will bring you to the website and you can pull up the sermon notes on that as well. So we're going to pick up in this scripture keeps coming up at our Wednesday night group as uh, Steve mentioned about the study of the Holy Spirit. It's a four week study where uh, we've already got uh, two weeks behind us and uh, looking forward to the next two weeks but you can join at any time and that's 6.30 right here on Wednesday evening. So um, I want to pick up, this is the scripture that we've read almost every week in that study, and uh, we're going obviously a different uh, direction with it, uh, talking about the Holy Spirit, but uh, the, the point that I want to speak about this morning, the second coming, is mentioned in this passage of scripture as well from Acts chapter 1. It says, after his suffering, speaking about the crucifixion of Jesus, he presented himself to them, talking about the disciples, and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. 
On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this commandment, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for, my, uh, for the gift of my Father, that the gift of my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates, the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, uh, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, it's two angels, dressed in white, stood beside them and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? The same Jesus who, you, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. And so the men, these two men, uh, dressed in white, bright shining white, two angels, asked this question, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into the heavens? And, I mean, it's a very simple question to answer. I can answer it for you because it's not every day that you see somebody float up into heaven. I mean, they're curious. It's like, my gosh, you know, he's been with us three and a half years, and there he goes. And, but they're saying he's going to come back in the same way. He's going to come back talking again about the second coming. So uh, with that in mind that he is coming back, let's just look at some scriptures. And I'm going to go through these uh, rather quickly and in not all of these uh, Scriptures are mentioned in your notes, but I have them on the overhead if you want to make some just comments or jot down the, uh, the Scripture reference. Matthew chapter 24. All of these, this is just from Matthew chapter 24, okay? All of these that I'm going to give you are, are from chapter 24. As lightning that comes out of the east is visible into the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. The gospel of this kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Uh, the, at that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will see him. He says, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and glory. Verse 37, it says, as in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40 and 41, this is how it would be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the hand mill. One will be taken, one will be the left. Verse 42, Therefore, keep a watch, because you do not know what day your Lord will come. Uh, so you must be ready, verse 44, because the Son of Man will come in an hour that you do not expect him. And then Matthew chapter 25 is a story about the ten virgins, how, you know, the bridegroom comes and five of them were ready, the other five were not. They had to go get oil for the lamps. It's all about um, the bridegroom coming and, uh, uh, you know, being ready for, for the wedding. Um, some of you will remember a number of years ago there was a movie uh, called Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere and uh, you know she kept showing up at these weddings and then bailing on the groom you know I want to just tell you I believe that you know many times the church is like this today that you know we know that Jesus Christ is coming back again we know that you know that the, the word of God says that he is coming back again so with that in mind you know, if, if, if we are sure that, you know, the Bible says that the church is the bride and he is the bridegroom, so that, you know, just think about this in the natural. I mean, it wouldn't be proper for you to be engaged in dating somebody else, right? 
I mean, you know, just think about, you know, your, your, your bride or your bridegroom, how that they, you know, or future bride or bridegroom, how they would feel about that if they showed up and they'd been out of town, they come back and all of a sudden you're out having a meal or having a dinner or out on a date with somebody else. That wouldn't be right. And, you know, sometimes you and I get caught up in this world. It's almost like we've fallen more in love with this world or the things that we're doing in this world than we are with Jesus. And so it's always a constant reminder, you know, should be a constant reminder for you and I to just know that Jesus is coming back and just... Uh, you know, the Bible says that we should examine ourselves. Check yourself out. That's what David said in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O Lord, and try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. And uh, Corinthians says that we should search ourselves and see if we're still in the faith. And so, let me, I've shared with you what Matthew says. Let me jump to Luke for just a moment. That there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the star and in the earth and the nations will be in anguish and perplexity and the roaring and the tossing of the sea and, you know, uh, uh, having uh, last year, all of these, uh, the hurricanes, Harvey and Maria and all of these hurricanes that came up, four major hurricanes, the sea is just roaring and tossing. We've seen that. And people will faint from terror. We see that, you know, terror plots and you know, um, these bombings and suicide bombings all over the world, um, people will faint from terror, apprehensive about what's coming on the world. Uh, the heavenly bodies, we we'll even see that in the heavens, the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing now. Nine. Now, I want to just say that almost every generation from the time that Jesus was crucified and resurrected and left, uh, almost every generation was sure that Jesus was coming back in their time because there were certain signs that were uh, the characteristic of every generation. But what we're seeing now is not just one or two signs, but we're seeing all of the signs show up at the same time. And I, I want to just give you just a, a couple of examples of that. What we're seeing today that we haven't seen before in, in, in this generation, uh, we're seeing international communications, which let me just read the scripture to you from Revelation. I know you know this. He says, I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days or three and a half years. These two witnesses, many people believe that that's going to be uh, a Moses and Elijah. That's what many theologians are going to, uh, well, that's what they believe, that these are going to be the two witnesses. And it says that these two witnesses, uh, they have power to shut up the heavens so it doesn't rain during the time that they're prophesying. And it goes on to say that when they have finished their testimony, the beast uh, that comes from the abyss will attack them. We, you know, we have this unholy trinity. You have Satan and you have the false prophet and you have the Antichrist. And so the beast that comes up from the, uh, the abyss will attack them and overpower them and kill them. This is after the three-and-a-half-year period, after their testimony and their work on earth has been done. God has given each of us uh, a job to do, work to do. Their job was to testify uh, about sin and righteousness and judgment and also to testify about the Lord Jesus Christ. But after three-and-a-half years, uh, this, they will be put to death. And it says that, listen to this, for three and a half days, some from every people, tribe and language and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse to bury them. And what that means is that, that the entire world from every tribe and nation and, and every language will be able to see these two men dead and lying in the street 
for three and a half days. That's never been possible before. A hundred years ago, that wasn't possible. For the last 2,000 some odd years, that has not been possible, okay, until this recent technology of satellites and television. Everybody can see what's going on in the world at the same time. At one point in the world, I mean, whether there's a bombing in London or, you know, a war in Israel in the Gaza area, everybody in the whole world can see what's going on at exactly the same time. That's not been possible up until the last, you know, 30, 40 years, okay? In our generation, we're able to see that. And so he's saying that, that for three and a half days, every people and tribe and language and nation will gaze upon their bodies. But after three and a half days, the breath of life, remember we talked about that? The, the ruach in the, in the Hebrew word, or the pneuma, the breath, it's where we get the word pneumonia, pneuma, the breath of God. That's what happened to the dry bones in Ezekiel. They all came together. They were all assembled but there was no life in them until God breathed the breath of God in them. That's what he did to Adam. Uh, he breathed the breath of God into Adam, and he became a living soul. But after three days or three and a half days, the breath of God or the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and terror stu- uh, struck those that saw them. And they heard with a loud voice from heaven saying, Come up here, and they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies looked on. The second thing that we see, one of the signs that we're seeing in our generation that other generations have not been able to see, that the second beast was given power to breathe into the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship uh, the image to be killed. And it forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or their forehead so that they could not buy or sell unless they had received the mark. That's only available right now. I mean, it's just happened. If you can go to this next slide, I think I've got this, with the chip. You guys may have heard of this. This just happened just uh, less than a year ago. The chipper. Uh, It's a, um, there's a a company, I think it was in Wisconsin. Uh, It's called the Three Square Market Technology Company in Wisconsin. And uh, they had uh, 80 employees. 50 of the employees agreed to have the chip put in their right hand so that they can go to the, the, the cafeteria, the fountain, anywhere they want to. All they have to do is just kind of bleep just like you would at Walmart. You know, you can have that and just run your head, hand across there. You can, uh, you know, pay for, for uh, you know, anything that you want by swiping into the office. Paying uh, for food in the cafeteria can be accomplished by simply a wave of the hand. The program isn't mandatory, but uh, more than 50 of the 80 employees at the Three Square headquarters in River Falls, Wisconsin, had volunteered. That's, that's new to our generation, okay? That, that the, this is one of the signs that's, you know, of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Uh, we, uh, we see this, a move toward a worldwide currency. The euro is the single... Uh, European currency, which replaces natural, the national currencies of France and Germany and Spain and Italy, Greece, Portugal, Austria, uh, Finland, the Republic of Ireland, Belgium, and the Netherlands. Uh, there are 17 members of the European Union now that are using the euro. That's come, the, the whole world is moving toward this universal currency. 
The third point that I like, and this is one that I really do like, is international evangelism. This is one of the signs that we're getting near the end of the age when the Son of Man would come back. And uh, in, uh, again in Matthew chapter 24, the 14th verse, it says, The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The gospel will be preached in the whole world, all nations. There are 195 countries in the world. Taiwan, really, it's 194. Taiwan's not considered an official country. But uh, there, uh, there are 17,000 people groups, uh, ethnos, uh, ethnic groups, 17,000. And 10,000 of those groups right now, 10,000 of those groups have a Bible, a church, or a pastor, or a missionary, and they're what we consider 7,000 unreached people groups. Now, I don't know if that number is completely accurate, because if you look at the area just in Syria and uh, just uh, Turkey and areas that are kind of north of Israel, where all of the missionary journeys were uh, you know, where Paul had gone into Corinthians and, you know, all of the different little uh, Ephesus and Colossae and all of the little, the little towns and cities that he visited, some of those would be considered not a people group right now or people that have received the gospel. But we know from the Bible that many, many years ago they did receive and there were believers in those towns. So uh, we, we can't really totally base it on that. We can say, yeah, there may be 7,000 people groups that, you know, that today have not received the, the scripture uh, or, or, this, or this message of the Bible, but we don't know what happened, you know, uh, 2,000 years ago, 1,800 years ago, 1,500 years ago. There may have been people from that people group that had received the message. In Matthew chapter 24, he says, but, su but suppose that servant uh, is wicked. And this is talking about us, you know, when we look at that and we read, okay, there's 7,000 unreached people groups, that means that you know, man, I can, I can eat, drink, and be merry. You know, there's 7,000 groups out there. You know, the Lord's going to delay his, company, uh, his coming. I can, I can do what I want to do. But Matthew kind of 24 covers that. He says, but, so, but suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away for a long time. And he begins to beat his fellow servants and eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour when he's not aware and so it says the day of the Lord's return will surprise us like a thief. The heavens will disappear like a thief in the night. The heavens will disappear with a loud noise and the heat will melt. The whole universe and the earth and everything on it will be that is seen uh, will be seen for what they are. Everything will be destroyed. So should you serve the Lord uh, and honor God by the way that you're living? He says that because we know this, because we know that Jesus is coming back, we don't know when that could be, could happen at any moment, we should live a holy and a godly life. We should be prepared. You know, we should wake up thinking, God, today, this is the day that you could come back. And am I ready? And I think as I share this message, each of you just need to ask that question, Lord, am I ready? Am I really ready? Am I expecting? Am I anticipating your, your return? Um, you know, this church, we're involved, our, our missions covers, uh, Jim Noble, uh, they're not here this Sunday, but he's our missions pastor. They, uh, he and Pat had been missionaries in Albania. We've planted a church there and a school there. We have missions work going on in Israel with uh, Tents of Mercy and Eton Shishkov. We have an orphanage in Mexico. 
uh, I don't know if many of you know this, but when we first moved into this building some, you know, almost 12 years ago, I believe, that uh, we connected with Hosanna uh, Ministries down in Albuquerque, uh, their Bible translators, and we translated a language. We, find, we said, just tell us one language that the Bible's not translated into. And there was a tribe in the Solomon Islands. And, uh, you know, you can do this for about anywhere between three and $5,000. You can actually translate, hire someone to translate the Bible and take them, you know, a copy of the, of the scriptures. And we, uh, the, the church provided the funds, I think it was close to $5,000, to provide a Bible in the language for a, a tribe in the Solomon Islands. So, you know, we need to be busy about the Father's business. And uh, so just kind of moving toward the end of this, because we know that, you know, that Jesus is coming back again, and we're anticipating his return, that there is work for us to do, that God has not just called you and I to come to church on Sunday morning and sit here and then go about our own merry way throughout the rest of the week. You know, the, there are young ladies that are in bondage to sex traffic right now. You just drive down Sirius Road, you'll see a number of drug addicts. Just, you know, I'm, I'm seeing guys every day walking down the road, stumbling, uh, bondage to drugs, bondage to alcohol, bondage to pornography. There's hatred, there's racism, you know, there's anger and bitterness, there's unforgiveness. I saw, maybe some of you saw the story yesterday uh, in the news uh, about, uh, this happened in Florida, that a, uh, a, a man that was handicapped pulled up to a uh, handicapped spot, and there was a car parked in it, and they didn't have the handicapped sticker on it, so he went in and uh, kind of got into a confrontation with the lady and her kids that were in the, in the car, telling them that they shouldn't park there and they should get out. And, you know, you can, all of this is on video, the store video. Uh, her husband was inside the store. And uh, so um, this goes on for a couple of minutes, and he's telling her that they should leave, they should get their car out of the handicapped slot. This is all over a parking spot. And, uh, you know, then the husband kind of gets wind of what's going on, he comes out and just, I mean, just gives the guy a shove, shoves him as hard as he can, pushes him, I don't know, 10 feet. The guy reaches in his, on his side, pulls out a pistol, and shoots and kills the guy right there all over a parking spot. Guys, what is going on? I mean, you know, if anybody's going to wake up, if anybody's going to change the, the world that we live in, it's got to be the church that you and I have got to raise up. We've got to, God's called you and I to be peacemakers. And we've got to share this gospel, this message of love and peace with the lost and hurting and dying world. So because we are anticipating the Lord's return, knowing that he's coming back should not put fear in our lives, should not make us anxious or worried, but it should comfort us. Let me share a scripture with you. And from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says that the Lord will come from heaven with the command, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And first, the dead who believe in Christ will come back to life, and then together with them, uh, we who are still alive will be taken into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In this way, we will always be with the Lord. So then comfort each other with these words, because Jesus is coming back, you know, we can have comfort. As uh, we talked about in one of the songs, the verses, one of the songs this morning, that, you know, this place is not our home. 
Heaven is our home, and in heaven, there is no more suffering. There is no more sorrow. There's no more crying. There's no more tears. The Bible says that, you know, for, especially for those who had gone through the tribulation, it says that there's no more hunger. There's no more thirst because they were dealing with hunger and thirst in the tribulation period. That, you know, that as much as I love this city, as much as I love the state, as much as I love, you know, the places that we have, Angel Fire, it's a beautiful place. Santa Fe is probably the, one of the prettiest places on the face of the earth, but it doesn't compare to heaven. It doesn't compare to heaven. I'm telling you, you know, we better be looking forward to a place that we're going where there is no more sorrow, there's no more suffering, there's no more te tears, there's no more hunger or thirst. You know, let's look forward to heaven. The Bible, the Bible tells us again, just with statistics, there's over 300 references to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and 216 out of 260 chapters make reference to Jesus coming again. The, the next point I'd like to make, anticipating of the Lord's return, prepares us. We get prepared when we think about his return. He says, now brothers and sisters, about the times and dates that uh, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape, but you brothers and sisters are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are children, speaking about you and I, you are children of the light, children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to darkness. So then... Let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us awake and be sober. For those who sleep at night, or sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love and hope. Remember that's what First uh, uh, Corinthians said in, uh, in talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he talks about how these three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. But he goes on to say that the greatest of these is love. You know why the greatest of these is love? Because when you and I get to heaven, we don't need faith anymore. We don't need uh, hope anymore. You don't need faith in heaven. You don't need hope in heaven. What you'll have in heaven is love. We'll still have love. We'll still have love for the Father and love for, the, for one another. So why, why am I sharing this with you today? Why is this important? I want to tell you why it's important, because people are important. This whole earth, the Bible says, we just read in, in Peter, this earth is going to be burned up, it'll melt with the fervent heat. But the one thing that will last, the one thing that will last for eternal, eternally is people. People will last eternally. And that's why it's important. It should be important to you. We know it's important to God. And so when we think about the bridegroom coming, and we are the bride. You know, how should we be living? We think about this again in natural terms. You know, you know we need to think about, you know, am I ready? Am I really ready? Am I dressed? Am I wearing the right clothes? Those of you that have, you know, gone to weddings and been in weddings and prepared for weddings, you know, I mean, I, we, I have three daughters, and uh, all three of them are married. And, you know, Nina and I were just talking about this the other day, how, you know, some of the weddings were easier than others. And uh, we have three daughters and a son who's not married, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, all right, where is he? All right, I'm trying to help you out back there, dude. All right, <laughs> but uh, 
we were just talking about the wedding. You know how much, I mean, you, you start, I mean, you'll start year, a year in advance or six months in advance and you're, you know, all the planning and everything that goes into it, and the food and the dress and where you're going to have it. I mean, just tons and tons and tons of preparation for something that lasts about 15 minutes. I mean, you put months and months of preparation and tons of money into this thing for something that's over in about 15 minutes. But, you know, in the natural, as we think about that, you know, we need to think about, you know, how much am I putting in it? Am I, am I getting ready? I mean, am I getting, getting myself ready? Am I mentally getting ready? Is my heart ready? Am I dressed, you know? Am I dressed for this wedding? Am I, you know, is Jesus going to find me ready? Am I excited about him coming? Or am I bogged down? It's like, oh, man, I got another business deal to do. I got other things that I got to put together. Let me go on. He says that, then again, I heard the sound from, uh, like a shout from the vast roar of the mighty ocean, waves and the crash and a loud thunder. Praise the Lord for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give him honor for the time has come and the wedding feast of the Lamb uh, and his bride has, his bride has, help me out, his bride has prepared herself, okay? His bride has prepared herself. And so... When we think about that, how do you and I prepare ourselves? Let me just give you a couple of scriptures here. It says that you have died. Okay, that's talking about to your old life, okay? You have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Christ is your life. And when he appears, then you too will appear with him in glory. Therefore, this is how you and I make ourselves ready. Put to death whatever is worldly in you. This is an ongoing thing. You don't do it one time and you're there. It's not like you've arrived. This is a daily battle that you and I have to face. Put to death whatever is worldly in you. Your sexual sin, perversion, passion, lust and greed, which is the same thing as worshiping wealth. It is because of these sins that God is angry or that his anger comes upon those who refuse to obey him. You used to live that kind of sinful life. You used to, you used to, past tense, used to live that kind of sinful life. Also get rid of your anger and hot temper, hatred, cursing, obscene language, and all similar sin. Don't lie to each other. You've gotten rid of the person that you used to be and the life you used to live and you've become a new person. At least that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to become a new person. I look at that list and I think, you know what, Lord, I've still got a long way to go. I th I, I've got a long way to go. And then, you know, our final point is anticipating the Lord's return causes us to be on guard. It says, when the Son of Man appears, things will be just as they were when Noah lived. People will be eating and drinking and getting married right up to the day that the flood came and Noah went into the big boat. They didn't know anything was about to happen or happening until the flood came and swept them all away. This is how it will be when the Son of Man appears. And so he says, be on guard. Be on your guard. You do not know when the Lord will come. Homeowners never know when the thief is coming. They are always on guard to keep one from breaking in. Always be ready. You don't know when the Son of Man will come. And so watching and waiting, that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to watch and to wait. And so what do we do and how do we wait? And what do we do while we're waiting? Well, First Peter talks about it like this. In First Peter chapter 4, he says everything will soon come to an end. It's going to come to an end. It reminds me of the, and we've got to make sure that our language is clear. 
but there were two churches and, uh, you know, uh, across the street from each other. And, and one day, the two pastors each got out in front of the, the uh, church, and uh, one of them had a sign that says, uh, uh, the end is near. He's holding it up, and you know, at every car that goes by. And uh, the other pastor had a sign that said, turn around while you can, turn around while you can. And they're holding him up as the traffic's going by, and this one car comes by, and, and the guy says, you know, you guys are crazy, you're religious fanatics. And you know, the guy goes on down the road in the car, and then they hear the screech of the tires, and they hear this splash, and the one pastor said to the other, said, you know, maybe our sign should have said bridges out. You know, you know so we got to make sure that our message is clear. You know, that uh, there, there's no denying that Jesus Christ is coming back and, and that the end is near and that you need to repent while there is still time to repent because Jesus is coming back. He says that everything will soon come to an end. So be serious and be sensible enough to pray. This is one thing that prayer does in our lives. You know, when, you know, when, you know we, we show up, guys, if we're honest, we show up in church. You know, we carry baggage with us, the baggage from the week, the frustrations from the week, our hurt, our pain, our disappointments in life, uh, our discouragement. Uh, you know, life isn't going the way that I want it to or I think that it should be going, that, uh, you know, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I've got, you know, something happened in my life and I, I'm just, you know, mad at somebody and I come in and, you know, I'll, and it's time to worship God. And it's like I come in with that kind of attitude and it's like, you know, how can I worship God with that kind of mindset? And that's why he says that be, be serious and sensible enough to pray. pray. And this is what prayer does. When, we, when you and I begin to pray, and it's like we get our mind off of our problems and what's going on, our circumstances in life, and it realigns us again with God. We, you know, sometimes we get out of alignment with God. You know, God is here and we're over here or over here. And so prayer will bring us back into alignment with God. And so that we're in line with God, and we say, Lord, you know, you see how my heart is today. I've got, I've got mad at this guy, I'm mad at my wife, mad at the kids, mad at my boss. I'm angry, I'm upset. Somebody said something about me. I've got some bitterness. I've got some unforgiveness going on in my heart. Lord, I just want to get my life. I mean, it would be serious and sensible enough to pray. And then he says that when you do that, then you must sincerely love each other. Love each other. Because love wipes away many sins. And then he says that not only be, you know, praying and loving each other, but show hospitality. Welcome people into your homes. Sit down with a meal. Don't be so preoccupied and busy with life that you don't have time for God's people because we need one another. We need one another. You and I need, I know, you were not meant to go through life alone. That's why God said to, to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good. And all of you single men are saying amen. And women. All right. And so he says that, you know, welcome people in your home. Don't grumble about it. Each of you has been blessed with one of God's many wondrous gifts uh, to be used in the service of others. So use your gift well. Now, listen to this. He says, each one of you has been blessed. That means you have been blessed with a gift from God. He says, use your gift well. So be sensible enough to pray, love each other, show hospitality. This is what we do. This is how the bride is making herself ready. You want to know how you're making yourself ready? Be sensible, 
to come back, get yourself in alignment with God. You want to pray. You want to love one another. You want to show hospitality. And you want to use your gift to serve the body of Christ. And so just like the servant that took his gift, his talent, and he buried it, don't bury your gift. Use it well. Don't just stand around looking into the sky that you and I have got work to do, just like the disciples. I mean, it's amazing that, I mean, the first thing, the first thing that the angels are saying to them is that, you know what, you can't just sit there. You can't just sit and just wait for Jesus to come back. You can't just sit and wait and watch him go up into heaven, that there's work to do. That's what, that's what the angel was saying, there's work to do. Don't just sit there and watch him float up into heaven. We got work to do, and the work is, you're going to be witnesses to me in, in Santa Fe and in New Mexico and the United States and all over the world. This is what God has called you and I to do. Amen? All right, so he says, won't you just stand with me? I'm done. I want to share a scripture with you. And then we're going to, we're going to close in a song. And, and, and guys, just, I, I know that you know, we're hungry and we want to be the first ones out of the building, but let's just take a moment and just kind of wrap this up in the right way. Because he says that when Jesus comes back, this is, again, in Matthew chapter 24. When Jesus comes back, he said there's going to be two men in the field. And one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. And there's going to be two women at the mill. And one's going to be taken and one's going to be left. And, and, and so what that tells me is that there's, there is, there, we, are, we can't just sit here and just look up into the heavens and just hope that Jesus appears in the, in the cloud. That there is work that needs to be done. And that God has given you a gift and he expects you to use that gift. And I just want to encourage you. I just want to, I want to pray for you right now. Some of you are like, I don't have a clue what that gift is. I want to pray for you that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what your gift and your talent and your calling is. So that when he comes back, you won't have to say, Lord, I, I just took it and hid it. I didn't know what to do with it. So why don't you just bow your heads with me? And I just, first of all, I want to just ask you that are you sure that if Jesus came back today that you would be ready? Are you longing for and anticipating the coming of the Lord? I want to just ask you, are you? Are you looking forward to that? And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. You know, you can answer in your heart. Because, I, you know what, if we're honest, there are days that you and I, when life is so bad and we've gone through some crisis and we just say, God, I can't take any more of this. I'm ready for Jesus to come back right now. And there are other days that we, we wake up and we think, man, life is so good. It's beautiful. And, you know, the marriage is good and the family's good and the finances are good. God, I'm just loving life, you know. Uh, just hold off on that for another day or so. And so, you know, guys, I just want to tell you that we need God to do a work in our heart. And just say, Lord, make my heart ready. I, I want to look for and long for and anticipate your coming. And so, Jesus, I ask that you'd forgive me where I've become worldly and I've become caught up in the things of this world. God, give me a fresh vision for you and for your kingdom, Lord, that I can focus on you and be concerned about you and your business, Lord. Because I know that you love people 
and that you could use me to win people to come into your kingdom. And I ask that you would help me use my gift, whatever that gift is, use me and my gift to advance the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that you would just heal every brokenness, every hurt, every disappointment, every discouragement in this place today. Lord, we just lay it at your feet. We want to go out of this place just singing praise. We pray that you'd put a new song and joy and gladness in our hearts, Lord, that you would restore us today, that today would be a day of restoration. And if there are some in here that don't know Jesus, you've never made that commitment, you can just simply say, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Bible says that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can just simply say, Lord, uh, this message makes sense to me. I want to call upon your name today. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. And so with all that, all that's within me, I'm calling upon you, Father, to save me and deliver me from my sin, my destruction. Save me. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Wash me in the blood of the Lamb. Your word says that if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. God, I confess my sins to you. Save me, Lord. I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. All right, we're going to go out. We're going to just, as soon as we do this song, a portion of this song, I'm just going to say that you are dismissed. God bless you guys. Love every one of you. Praying for you. Praying God's blessing, blessing upon you. There's a psalm that says, Psalm 47. This is going to be this church's psalm, okay? Remember this, okay? You can remember it. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Psalm 47. And all the angels cry out.